Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. February 2nd. Thursday, as always, in the year 2023. This is your host, Mike Abadir, of course. This is the first February Thursday that we've got this year so far. And it's going to be the first one without a slew of games or meaningful games during the weekend. It's kind of a slow sports week in a sense. So we're going to be able to tackle some interesting topics. We being Pop DiBiase and myself. And, you know, before we came onto the air, we were just kind of talking about a question that the MLB network posed and uh, we might as well just throw it out here, pop, uh, you know, with, with Brady's retirement, MLB network tossed out the question with Brady gone. Let's talk about who the goat is in baseball. And so off the air, you and I kind of started the conversation. I started off with throwing out Willie Mays and Shohei Otani but you brought it back to the babe. And I think that's a really interesting point, Pop. Well, you know, I brought, I just bring in the babe because, you know, when you think it's somebody who really transcended sports and made sports like the thing, it was the babe. You know what I mean? Like the sports used to be like a recreational thing. And let's go out here and go watch some, let's, let's go kill some time real quick. But when you got the babe out there, man, and then, he was doing. He was. He was. He was striking guys out. He was hitting five four hundred foot home runs with ease. You know what I mean. And it was just everything was right on the money. And then he was the first. Uh, you know, he was the first uh person that was able to take advantage of a big market. You know what I mean. And by going to a big market, he was able to transcend uh baseball into being, you know, um, front page news. It was. It wasn't even. At that point, people loved watching it and everything like that, but it wasn't, you know, the the cup of tea. And then if we can uh, even add in another uh, athlete, he wasn't a human, but Man of War was pretty, uh, pretty goat too. You know what I mean? So those those two right, those two fellas right there were very significant in the uh, the I, I would say with the admiration for sports. That's actually a really cool point that you made with uh, Man of War because unlike, you know, most other athletes, we don't get to see a reflection of most athletes and their offspring. Happens sometimes, right? Griffey Sr. and Jr. and Tatis, etc. But with Man of War, I mean, his lineage, you could feel the presence of probably for the rest of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... That's the one cool thing about horse racing that I uh, think is underappreciated and that maybe general public doesn't really have a strong sense about, you know, it's pedigree and stuff. But uh, I agree. Man of War was the real deal. I think Babe Ruth, he helped usher America through some difficult times, you know, post-World War One Depression and uh, leading up to World War Two. It made baseball the nostalgic sport that you could kind of get your mind off of during difficult times. It really elevated the level of sport in general in, in America. 
probably the most impactful person up until 1950 or so right and then then the next impact wise would would obviously be jackie and then muhammad ali um and and then with, with each sport you could get a little bit more micro detailed about things you know maybe like in the 80s for example in the nfl marino and montana ushered in a passing game leading up to that point it was all about you know that green bay packer Vince Lombardi rushing attack and defense and cold weather and all that kind of stuff that the NFL glorified. And then those guys went on aerial attacks and uh, it's, it's really led to what we've got today with a, uh, with an athletic twist. Right. And, and that gets us actually to, to the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. First Super Bowl featuring two starting quarterbacks that are black. Let me throw out the question. Big deal or no deal? Big deal or who cares? What say you? I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna see I'm gonna even I'm gonna come in and say something totally off off um the cusp. And I'm gonna say this. It was inevitable. I remember my father, rest in peace, about 15 years ago, we were watching the games and things like that. And we we're watching a lot of college football. And, you know, uh, you know, there was already a good influx of black quarterbacks in college that were doing some great things. And, you know, they they kept having these guys who were backups and they would just shine. Black quarterbacks, you know, just shine, just go out there and just be be awesome and my dad would say all the time he said well the nfl is changing right now and the quarterback has to be mobile because the lineman is getting faster i can see that happening now and i said you're you're right on the money about that he said college already gets it you have to have a quarterback that can move outside of the pocket it's no more of this stand statue quarterback that's going to be a thing of the past very 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 soon and now we go ahead and we we fast forward it to right now. And we're right where the inevitable has happened. There was no way there was never going to be two black quarterbacks playing each other in the Super Bowl. So I think that even bringing it up right now is very irrelevant. I think that it needs to be mostly about the Chiefs and the Eagles because we knew that there was going to be a time and a place where you were, you were going to get two black quarterbacks playing each other and this can become a routine situation as well too because as the league keeps evolving you can see that the nfl is getting a lot smarter well really franchises are getting a lot smarter take um baltimore for instance i know a lot of people are very heavy on the Lamar Jackson, and I'm just laughing because I, I know Lamar Jackson is going to get his money. They, this is just theater. We know what the Ravens are going to do. But look at Baltimore, a very black town. You know, pretty much they got a black quarterback. Atlanta for a long time had Michael Vick. That's a very that's the capital chocolate city. Detroit hasn't got there yet, but they're getting close. Chicago, they have a black quarterback as well too. Houston. Um, they're going to draft a black quarterback, either Stroud or uh, Young. So um, those are just examples that I'm giving you right there, Mike. As you can see, these more urban towns, they're going to start having more urban feel to it as well, too. That's what I feel like with the way that we have such a sensitive situation going on with the race and everything like that. And to try to avoid division and avoid the constant 
complaining from certain parties, they're going to try, they're going to start appeasing certain situations in certain cities. So then the NFL will have kind of a ethnical look, in my opinion. So them playing in the Super Bowl against each other, they're just they just fortunate to be able to tell people that they had the opportunity to do so. This just reminds me of when Tony Dungy and Lovey Smith went at it in the Super Bowl back in two thousand what six, seven, something like that. And they were the first two black head coaches. After we kicked the ball off, it became very irrelevant because you knew at the end of the day, one one was going to be the first ever black coach to win. And that's what made that kind of a sweet situation because they didn't play that one up as much. But they're going to play this one up a lot because it's Black History Month. And they just love to bring the race card up on a consistent basis. I'm just, you know, I'm just keeping it real, Mike. This is where I can keep it real at because I got somebody else on the other end with an opinion. You know what I mean? My show, you know, I got to keep it more about the betting and things like that. But that's why I love doing the show with you so I can really keep it real. You know, it's kind of funny because, you know, in, in baseball, you know, it's not as much because it's so diverse in baseball. You know, it's not as much, uh, you know, oh, in the World Series, you know, game one starter is, you know, Dominican and game two starter is Puerto Rican and, you know, so on and so forth. It's pretty much who's the best pitcher you got, who's your one, who's your two. doesn't matter if you're black, yellow, purple, you know, it's you're the game one starter, you're the game two starter. We're going to do a bullpen in game three. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the best and that's all that really matters the guy that can help us win it's not but, but i think that's because baseball overcame the whole race thing you know 70 years ago you know with that in mind writers will always be writers media will always be media media is always looking to stir up the pot when it comes to uh racial issues and ultimately i think causing some of the racial divide that we've got in this country but it's kind of funny because they try to bring it into baseball too, you know, like so-and-so has the most home runs for a player not born in America. It's like, who gives a rat's ass? Right. You know what I mean? This guy's got the, the, the most wins of any Dominican pitcher of all time. Why do we have to have racial stats? Just kind of, if you think about it, why do we have race stats? Statue, right. American League leader, National League leader, MLB leader. Shouldn't be, you know, the most from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Japan. You know what I mean? Most from a black player, from a white player. Like, it's just kind of silly in my opinion, man. Right. And let me get keep it real with you about me, Mike, in a sense. And I know this will be something where people be like, wow, Pop, this is kind of crazy. But, like, look at it as kids, man. When you were a kid, you used to go out and play baseball, football, basketball, and you were playing with kids of all shades and colors. This is 30 years ago in the 90s, late 80s, things like that. And we never brought up anybody's color or anything. We just were playing sports. We were just having a good time, right? This is 30 years ago. I feel like we're going backwards because now it's like, okay, we got to make sure it's just all black kids playing or it's just all white kids playing. So this person doesn't get offended and this person doesn't get offended and this person doesn't get offended. 
because we got too much talking going on on the out. We got too many adults talk, having adult conversations around children. And so now these children don't know how to communicate with each other the proper way anymore. So we, I just say that we just have to be people. You know what I mean? I, every time I found myself in just a pro black situation, I've had uh, some real issues. You know what I mean? Where, I didn't see it the same way that they seen it because I, I was brought up a different way than they were. We're not all brought up the same way either. And sometimes your upbringing, your upbringing can be a conflict of interest when you're dealing with your own people when it comes to us. You know what I mean? And I we're the only people that you can say that that have that issue. You know what I mean? is because there's different classes of it. It goes back to the old Chris Rock joke. There's ends and there's black people. And it, 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 it's really true. You feel what I'm saying? And that's why I feel like a lot of us have to just press pause real quick and remember where we came from. We grew up with, we were with everybody. We were not from the times where it, we were, I know segregation was, wasn't too far off, but we're, we're far away from that point in time, but we keep acting like we're still there and we don't need to keep acting like that. We don't have to have a history, historic moment every time somebody does something and they have a different color than what the, what the majority color is. You know what I mean? And I think that's just sloppy news. I think that the news is just getting sloppier, sloppier by the day because all they do is just, they nip. I think pop midstream there, maybe uh, dealing with some technical difficulties, but he's making a good point. Uh, perhaps my man Josh can help him uh, work his way back onto the show. Um, you know, pop's making some good points, and you know, I, I want to bring it back for a quick second to the fact that it was about, I think, exactly thirty-five years ago. Yeah, let me look it up. Yeah, 35 years ago, the Doug Williams was the very first black starting quarterback in a Super Bowl. Was that a long time ago? Maybe. Not really. Sort of. And it's kind of hard to believe that before 35 years ago, there weren't any black starting quarterbacks. But that was kind of the first. You would think that we'll put the issue to bed when Doug Williams won that Super Bowl. You know, uh, infamously, by the way, he was asked, supposedly, legend has it, Doug Williams was asked the question, how long have you, have you been a black quarterback? <laughs> uh, later on, it was actually, that myth was clarified. What really happened was Doug Williams was asked question after question after question about being a black starting quarterback, and he was really getting sick of it. And then what happened was somebody sarcastically, you know, he just kind of throws out, well, now that we've established that you're a black quarterback, how long has it mattered that you've been a black quarterback? But somehow the question got morphed into how long you've been a black quarterback. Everybody kind of ragged on this writer um, up until the day he died in 2014. So just kind of a, a quick, funny little side note to that question. But Pop, you know, Doug Williams, 35 years ago, before that, there there weren't any starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl that were black. I kind of think it just kind of maybe a more of a matter of the teams just had good starters, you know, that got to the Super Bowl, you know, like Terry Bradshaw, 
you know, uh, Joe Montana, Kenny Stabler. I mean, it just happened to be, you know, that the Redskins had an injury to Jay Schrader. So Doug Williams was the starter, you know, and I think any team that had, you know, a good black quarterback would have had the earlier black starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. But again, it brings it back to why does it really matter? You know, I, look, I think all the racial stuff in sports has kind of been shattered. You know, I could sort of understand the questions about how come there aren't more head coaches or coordinators or, you know, MLB managers or whatever. But I got to think that at this point, they're just going to hire the best man for the job, man. I don't care if the dude's an alien. You know, whoever is the best, I believe, deserves the job. Whoever is the best gets the job. Now, the one thing that people could say is if we don't have a more coordinated effort to work with blacks and minorities with the interview process and at least offering them an opportunity to get that experience. I could understand that. And that's why you have the Rooney rule and, you know, things of that nature, which it's, which is kind of ironic in a way, because, you know, there are times where a team definitely knows who they're hiring next. You know, they want Sean Payton or, you know, they want, you know, Jim Harbaugh or whatever. So now they got to go through this uh, fake charade of, of uh, interviewing, you know, a black, head coach candidate the candidate himself knows that he's got no shot for the job they've already decided on somebody else so he's kind of going through the motions however if i was him in that situation i would take it seriously because you never know maybe you uh wow them in a big big way but also you've been through it once before now you're going to go through it again perhaps even one more time is necessary for you to have that solid interview experience to be able to land that job. So I think there's some utility to it, you know, somehow, some way. With that said, let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back more with Pop and Mike right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel voice america programs are now available on your favorite connected device including amazon alexa and google home through streams with apple podcasts tune in and iHeartRadio. listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast hey alexa play finding your frequency podcast if that doesn't work try adding on tune in or on iHeartRadio or on apple podcasts 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. You know, a lot of uh, what we're talking about in terms of quarterbacks or whatnot, you know, we have a new style of quarterback. And the reality of it is, you know, it it's kind of um, what's the word here? It kind of fits and suits a lot of the skill sets that some of the black quarterbacks have been brought up participating in. Um, but that's not always the case, right? I mean, Josh Allen kind of has that same kind of game, right? That athletic scramble ability, big arm you know, that type of thing, um, you know, but like, how about Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater? It wasn't like that drop back quarterback, drop back passer club, more of a classic passer, you know, um, when we've, we've, we've seen those that are black, that are drop back passers. We've seen white guys that are athletic. I think it's a fad. I think at some point in time, the NFL is going to revert back to, the types of quarterback that um, have good pocket presence, but are strong armed and can get it downfield. And I'm going to give you the reason for that pop. Take like Joe Burrow as an example. I think he's kind of that classic drop back passer reminiscent of like, maybe like a Dan Marino or Joe Montana or somebody. Right. I think what a lot of teams are going to start figuring out is it's very rare that you have the super athletic guy who A, doesn't lose a step after hitting, getting hit so many times, and B, they don't protect themselves very well at times. You know, athletic quarterbacks, they're competitive. They want to get that first down, right? Whether it's black or white, it doesn't really matter. A lot of those athletic quarterback types, you know, put themselves in harm's way quite a bit. And once they're told by their head coach, stop running, it kind of takes their game away a little bit and might not be as effective. So I think it's all cyclical. I would say in 10 years, we probably go back to more of a hybrid or a modified, but I wouldn't be surprised if teams go back to the old school drop back passer, you know, um, model that, that really was working for, for a very long time. But look, that's what makes this Super Bowl interesting. You have two guys that could scramble. I view Mahomes as a drop back quarterback who can get you a first down when needed. You know, I view Jalen Hurts as a scrambling quarterback who's accurate and a good at decision-making. So we have two kind of different styles of quarterbacking going head-to-head. I don't think you could 
kind of come up with any conclusions one way or another that this style works or that style works or this doesn't work or that doesn't work because we've got enough of a sample size now to realize that you know whoever comes out on top it's probably because they played better you know what i mean pop right but this is my thing the mobile quarterback is going nowhere that you have to understand college they are designing it to where the quarterback has to be able to move a little bit because these linemen are moving quickly, Mike. They're, they're, these linemen are going to keep getting faster. They're going to keep getting stronger. Let me give you a great example of what you just said. You said that the running guys are, you know, that they put themselves at risk. But the statue quarterback puts itself as a, at an even greater risk staying in that pocket. Let me give you a great example. Joe Burrow, rookie year, blew out his knee. Then he tears PCL, ACL, MCL, all that good stuff. Standing in the pocket and getting his knee destroyed. Dan Marino got his knee destroyed, standing in the pocket. So when we say that they're going to put themselves at risk, they already have already braced themselves for the contact. So I would say. Okay, I, can I jump in for a quick second, Pop? Go ahead. Uh, uh, look. I'm not saying that the other guys don't have uh, a risk of, of getting hurt. They absolutely do. But here's the big difference. When a Dan Marino or a Joe Burrow gets hurt, when they come back, their game is exactly the same. It's not hampered at all. Right? But a running quarterback, he may not be the same. He may lose a step. And if he does, his entire game might be less effective than it was prior to the injury. That, to me, is the big difference. You know what I mean? Well, you know, then you got it's, – it's like this. You always you always run the risk of some type of injury when you're stationary, in my opinion, in today's NFL. In the old NFL, that's fine. But in today's NFL, you have to be able to move a little bit. Joe Burrow moves, moves, moves a little bit when he needs to. You know what I mean? He's not just going to stand there and – you know, look around and, and, and you know, throw the ball down on, on the ground. I can tell you who does do that, though, Derek Carr. You know what I mean? That's why Derek Carr had his issues with the Raiders because he wasn't moving around enough himself, but that's because he was standing in the pocket, and he's another one that got his leg broken standing in the pocket. And so he kind of is a little timid about, you know, when a lineman gets a little bit too close to him. But Well, if, get- if, those, if those stats didn't matter to you, then how about this one then? Let's look at the Super Bowl winners, right? Are they more the Burrow type or the running type? Right. I, we not, have Matthew Stafford and right. Burrow in the Super Bowl I'm last year. saying that the Burrow style doesn't work, but I'm talking about in today's new NFL, these linemen are fast. They are very fast. You cannot be – you cannot just sit in the pocket all day, and you know that. You can't, you can't do that. Of course, the guy that stands back there and – throws the ball around accurately on on the money his guys are open of course he's the uh, he's the he, he's the winning quarterback the running quarterback a lot of times they they they're always guys that can just be in a game that's going to be a really good game but most times they lose because they're running they're not passing and really their whole life is based on broken plays i understand that part as well too but i'm just saying the nfl the de- nobody talks enough about how good defense is now in the nfl defense is so good they have to give they have to give you they have to put out the worst rules ever to make sure defense 
doesn't just kill off the offense. That's why we got such a quarterback problem in the NFL as well, too, because we just the defense is really good, really fast, and they keep finding the ways to adjust to the offense. But well, I'm humor me saying- for a little bit, though, Pop. Humor me. Let's look at the Super Bowl winners, right? And Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady. How about like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, right? Uh, Kurt Warner, Aaron Rodgers, Brad Johnson, Drew Brees, Trent Dilfer, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco. I mean, those are all the guys since 2000. I think at some point in time, people are going to look at it executives are going to look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, the college system is producing this type of player. For a long time, we were against it. And then you had guys like Randall Cunningham and later on Michael Vick who kind of made it a little bit more acceptable to bring in those types. But proof is in the pudding, man. Just look at all the winners. Yeah, For me, I'm I'm biased towards the drop-back quarterback the Dan Marino type. Uh, I'll readily admit it. But I just think because that works better. That's just my opinion. If I'm going to invest in the next 10 years, give me a drop-back quarterback and not a running quarterback. Well, they all got to run at some point. That's my point, Mike. You know what I mean? They all can't just sit back there and, you know, tap it three times and think that they're going to be able to, to, to really be able to exist in today's NFL. Like, Why not? Brady has. A little bit. Brady's slow as molasses. But he still moved a little bit. As Brady started, he moved a lot. See, Brady had to really adjust his game. A lot of us really didn't didn't see, didn't didn't talk about that part. Brady went from being able to just stand back there in the pocket and look around and throw his little check down to where sometimes he had to move around a little bit. You know, and I we know have that pocket presence. Yeah, well, he said, you know, when he had Randy Moss, he moved around a little bit. So, hey, I might have to go in this direction right here to throw off the uh, DB over here or throw off the safety over here. So, like, at the end of the day, you're going to have to move. That's my point in today. Of course, of course. In the NFL back in 2005, of course, you could sit back there and be in the pocket all day. But in today's new NFL, everybody has to be kind of like you have to be uh, an action hero. Let's just let's just let's just say that you have to be an action hero at quarterback. Period. Period. Point blank. But you don't play too much hero ball, and that's what your point is with the running quarterback. And that's what you think of when you have the running quarterback is that they're playing hero ball. But what I don't like is is that everybody finds it so incredible when Josh Allen does it, but then it's a big problem when Lamar does it. Yeah, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Because they're playing the same exact game and they're getting the literally damn near the same exact results. And I know that a lot of people just want to say that because, you know, they just want to just throw the digs because you, you're not used to seeing a 6'5", 240 white guy do that. But, you know, a little lean 6'2", 215, little brother from Florida, you know, that that's commonplace for that. But I just don't feel that's right. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to love Josh Allen for doing it, you got to love uh, Lamar for doing it as well, too, because they're playing the same exact game. I agree with you. That, that's a great point that you're making. I don't like either. See? So I don't like Denton Lamar or or Josh Allen. And there's plenty because of people. How many of those have won a Super Bowl? And, 
Right. And see, there's plenty of people out there, but see, it's about mentality as well, too. And that's what a lot of people have to understand that you had the, the reason why Tom Brady, Tom Brady is not the GOAT. Tom Brady is the greatest winner because he's so competitive. He's so competitive. Michael Jordan is a GOAT, the greatest winner because he's so competitive. When you're competitive, do you and you take it to and you say to yourself, I'm going to take it to that next level by any means necessary. That's how you win these championships. All the, the we've seen some of the most talented teams not even get past the second round in the NFL. And we've seen the most talented team ever lose in the conference championship game. I don't care what anybody says. That Minnesota team is still it, it still hurts my heart that 15 and 1 team didn't get to the Super Bowl. Because that was maybe the greatest season I ever saw other than the um, in my lifetime. Greatest individual regular season I saw from a team other than the Patriots going undefeated. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm like, you got a great point, Mike, because it's always the great defenses and the teams that have the smartest quarterback that is making the smartest plays. You know what I mean? And smart plays aren't running the ball uh, running around going nowhere, you know what I mean? And just getting a few yards and then just checking down and, you know, not being able to throw the deep ball and then always trying to live off of a broken play. That's why I know a lot of people are kind of fed up with Dak right now as well too, but I don't. I still think Dak's not that bad. He's still a top 10 quarterback, and that's why I can't wait till we talk about the quarterback situation and what well, we're talking about it now. But the thing is, though, the quarterback situation in the NFL is really funny to me because I think we only have about 12, 13 really good quarterbacks in the league. Then everybody else is kind of like whatever. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, what you're making a great point on is that they're going to have to get back to the quarterback playing the quarterback position. All this extra ad-libbing, extra stuff is kind of deteriorating the position and making it to where the game managers like Brock Purdy can just step in and be successful. You know, Brock Purdy in, in the old NFL is a backup. You know what I mean? In the new NFL, the way that these quarterbacks go about their business sometimes in these games, he's he's at the, the perfect perfect fit because he's gonna play to the system so really in today's game Tom Brady was the master system quarterback so you have to be into the system and I think that's what makes Joe Burrow really successful at the same time too Mike is that he's really entrenched into the system that they have same thing goes for Patrick Mahomes and the same thing goes for Jalen Hurts as well, too. I know you say he's a running quarterback, but I see more game manager in him as well, too. And I've seen him be able to, you know, take his time and be be patient. He's a patient court running quarterback. See, you know, a guy like Lamar, he'll he's just going to go. He's he's learning patience, but he's just going to go. But Jalen, he plays the game really smart, in my opinion. And so that's why the Eagles are in the position that they're in right now. That's why the Chiefs are in the position that they're in right now, because these guys play to the system to a T. You know, I want to comment on one thing that you said, which is the state of the quarterback in the NFL. It's probably the worst in my lifetime. I can't remember a time where an entire division doesn't have a quarterback. The NFC South, who's Tampa's quarterback? Who's Carolina's? Who's the Saints? Who's Atlanta's? I mean, that's an entire division, bro, where we don't have a quarterback that we know of that's going to be starting on opening day. You know, how about Washington? 
you know, continuing in the NFC, right? Uh, what about the Rams? You know, who's going to be starting over there? We don't know who's going to start in San Francisco, although it's probably going to be Purdy, but he's coming off an injury. I don't know. You know, in the AFC, look at all the teams like the Raiders and the Texans. Who's the Colts quarterback? Who's the Titans quarterback? Who's the Jets quarterback? Who's the Patriots quarterback? I've never, ever in my lifetime seen so many teams not even have a quarterback that they know of for the following season. It's crazy. Where are yeah. we going to find the guys that are going to fill in all those teams I read a lot? Right. They're and... not, I mean, like, what are you going to, how are you going to even, that, and, you know, it's, it's a wonder to me that even like Andy Dalton has a job right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you're talking about Carr, he's going to land on his feet big time, man. There's going to be plenty of places that he's going to be able to play at because there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. And if Andy Dalton can get a job and start games in the NFL, that kind of tells you the state of the quarterback position in the league. But let's bring it back to this game in of itself and how we got here. You know, we're going to take a break in a quick minute. But, uh, you know, that 49ers game was a disaster from the start. I don't know if it would have mattered. I had the Eagles in a blowout. If you remember what my prediction was last week, Eagles in a blowout. And it was indeed a blowout. It exactly fit the the the, the script that I thought it was going to follow in terms of blowoutness and domination. I just didn't know it was going to happen in the manner that it did. Do you think the Niners would have won if Purdy is, is in the game the whole game or results the same? Absolutely not. They wouldn't have won with Jimmy G in the game. They wouldn't have won with Trey in the game. Agreed. Dude, I don't care. The 49ers were outclassed, outmanned. They were out everything, bro. They played. Look, you looked at the seven games Purdy played. The one team, the one team that he had on the two teams that he had on his schedule that was in the playoffs were absolute sacrificial lambs for the first round of the playoffs. So that that those were easy wins for him. And at the end of the day, he just managed to help them win those games. Even though he played stellar, stellar ball, but there's the system so great as we kept saying your assignment is to not f it up and you were due for a bad game and that bad game occurred in philly because regardless of him tearing his uh elbow out he was still gonna have a long day because that eagles uh front line was doing whatever they wanted with that uh san francisco uh offensive line 100 percent agree with you man now, the other game, there was a little bit more of a referee influence, let's just say. Now, a lot of people are, are coming hard, coming down hard on Osai's late hit that gave the Chiefs another 15 yards. Mm. But the Chiefs may have won that game anyways. I mean, there was no guarantee that since he wins that game, even if it goes into overtime, you know, it would still give the, the, the Bengals uh, and the Chiefs equal footing, so to speak, Although you favor kind of the home team when you talk about overtime. Um, but hey, man, he did the hit. He did it late. It happens. It wouldn't have been talked about as much if it happened before halftime, you know, with and they were able to get a field goal before the half. Late hits happen, man. Sometimes they happen early in the game. Sometimes they happen in the middle of the game. Sometimes they happen late in the game. It's kind of unfortunate for him. But ultimately, I still think that the Chiefs were going to, win this game because it's really hard to win four or five in a row against a team that's a, the class of the Chiefs. Um, you know, uh, uh, what I'd like this to have seen the Chiefs maybe dominate a little bit 
Yeah, but they were playing against a really good team. It would have been very tough. Let me get your thoughts about that game right on the other side of the break, Pop. Uh, we, are in due, we are due for a commercial. Let's take one right now. We'll come back in a few moments. We'll get Pop's thought on the Chiefs and the Bengals game. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Mike Abadir, Pop DiBiase. Hey, Pop, when uh, when it, the fo- the sole focus is the NBA, and I want to get myself an NBA pick, I uh, I I start sliding over to your Twitter feed and 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 text message and and looking obviously at that VIP package. Let the listeners know how they can get uh, in on that if they want to get in on some NBA action. Need a little advice midweek. You know, you want to put together that evening parlay on a on a Wednesday or a Thursday night like tonight, and you don't really have time to handicap. Maybe you like one game a lot, but you want to throw in a couple other teams, pop to the rescue. How can we do that? Well, you guys can go ahead and catch me on the Twitter. You guys can uh, go ahead and DM me, or you guys can hit me up on a message, and we can go ahead and get you situated. You can join the Primetime Sports Investors, and um we can uh, pretty much go from there. And then you guys can email me at Prime Wave Media as well, too, if you have any questions about uh, that. Or you guys just can go ahead and just be on the Famous Bets list, which um, I put out on a daily basis. I'm going to be putting out 
the Pac-12 and Big West and all that good stuff for tonight. I'm not going to go too heavy. We got 75 games. So I'm only going to put out the West Coast games for tonight as well. And then um, right now we have the Super High Five. We have the um, CBB Dog Day Pick 4 and the CBB Primetime Pick 6. But you guys can catch all those plays on my show that comes on daily at about 2 o'clock, sometime 1 or 2 o'clock, um pacific time it is a live stream as well too but you guys can watch the replay that is the prime time angles and that is daily as well too on my um youtube uh live um on the prime wave media channel and also on my twitter at pop dbic and also the um facebook with um, my regular name jamil Sue brown so you guys can catch me there as well too if you guys want to watch that the show because that's where i give out all the plays that go out to the public on most on most occasions so let's get into your mind what were your thoughts about that chiefs and Bengals game did the uh, chiefs get a little lucky did the Bengals get unlucky uh where do you come out on this all right so this is what i'm looking at um I thought that the Bengals lacked discipline at the wrong at, at at in the final minutes. Why? Because the thing is they could have won the game. It doesn't matter what the refs called when he knocked dude out of bounds. Because they had the ball with two minutes and thirty-six seconds left to go in the game, and they were running the clock they had everything running on their side the right way they had their timeouts they had everything and they got one first down mike and they ran the clock down to a minute and then the punt that was the killer part for the Bengals. they didn't they didn't cover that punt well at all so they get the ball already across the 50 yard line they were already in bad shape as is. Once they did that, I said, it's only a matter of time before they win this game. And literally, Kansas City has became like the most clutch team in the last 90 seconds in playoff situations. They did that against the Bills last year. So I felt like the Bengals were just a little bit too over cocky in this game, thinking that they had already sold this thing up. You know what I mean? Once they got right where they wanted to get. And I know a lot of people kept saying ref this and ref that. But you know what? You can't. It's one play, Mike. It's one play. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It, it. How does it really affect the outcome of the game? It was one play. Because what? how about the play when he dropped the ball? Or how about the play when he, he lost two yards over here? How about the play? There's just so many plays, Mike. And it comes down to your mental and they made a mental mistake at the end of the game they lost it's that simple the kansas city chiefs played in a game that was gonna this game was gonna always be an absolute classic i said it was gonna come down to the final possession that's exactly what happened the ball just was in kansas city's hands is there was no surprises here the best team was gonna win the game and the best team was kansas city in that spot and you know it is what it is at the end of the day i fully agree with you pop you can't give the ball back to a team like the Chiefs. You know, there's some guys out there like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. They relish that opportunity. It doesn't matter how much time is left on the clock. We're going to find a way to make it happen, position our team to get that game-winning field goal. I almost want, by the way, this is a kind of an off topic. Sometimes I kind of feel it's a little bit cheap to win the game on a field goal. 
I almost want to say a tie game, you know, requires a touchdown to win the game. Like I, I wish I could, I could implement that kind of rule. Never going to happen. Kind of cheap though. You know what I mean? All you have to do is get the ball to 35, 40 yard line, kick it, end the game. Uh, it's kind of weak sauce. I guess it's the NFL versions of penalty kicks in soccer. Um, but but that, that's, a, that's a whole separate thing. Because we've seen Super Bowls win and, or lose based on those kicks. You know. Um, Dude, but, we just saw Georgia win because of what Ohio State's kicker did. Come on, Mike. Yeah. That was some of the worst mentality ever. Like, bro, try to get the ball as close as possible to where you got to get to. Right. Yeah. A college kicker kick from 50 yards out. He needs to be kicking from 20 yards out. Try to get st- try to keep moving on the drive, bro. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know so, you know uh, let me ask you this. If and we'll we'll save our predictions for for next week. Okay. Obviously, we've got a lot of time uh to focus on one big game. Each of these teams are looking to land their second Super Bowl. You know, in the last handful of years, obviously Philly did it a few years back with uh, Nick Foles and company. Amazing to me how much turnover there is in NFL. It's a completely different team. It wasn't even that long ago. You know, uh, I'm I'm not sure how much the media is going to delve into that. But what year was that? 2018? 2017? 2016, 2017, something like that. Yeah, it's not even that long ago. I don't even know how many Eagles are left on our roster. It's amazing to me how quickly... Mostly defense, mostly defense, mostly defense, and half the offensive line. Like both the guys, both the trenches, those guys are still there. It kind of tells you something, though, right? Right. You have that core in the trenches. You could build around that all day, all night, plug in different people. It's kind of interesting. Yes, sir. Uh, the Chiefs are also looking for that second victory, the 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 third appearance in the last handful of years. So regardless, we're going to have a team that's a multi-Super Bowl winner in the last decade. That'll be kind of cool to see somebody do that, not name Tom Brady. We haven't had that in a long time. So uh, props to these teams for figuring it out and getting it back to the promised land once again. Uh, We'll save the legacy talk for later. I want to actually shift gears for a minute because I know you do handicap horse racing and you do give out horse racing picks. And I found something that happened last week kind of interesting. Did you get a chance to watch the uh, Pegasus? No, but I saw a lot of dissatisfied people on Twitter. Well, you know what? The, here's the interesting thing to me, and I kind of want to take an angle. Our collector not, won, right? Our collector did win 19 to 1. Finally, uh, Bob Baffert had the favorite, uh, which was kind of interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. So Baffert had the post-time favorite. He wasn't the morning line favorite, was the post-time favorite, got bet down, finished second. They, they didn't run a bad race, okay? Our collector came from behind to uh, swoop up, took advantage of the hot early fractions, and was able to get up for the win. You know, props to them and Bill Mott and company. Great. You would think because of the big purse money, Bob Baffert would be there in person, wouldn't you? Guess where he was? He wasn't in Miami. He wasn't in Gulfstream. He was in Arkansas to see his two-year-old or three-year-old running a derby prep race. What are your thoughts about that, man? 
Well, Bob probably needed to be there with that horse. That's why. You know, that horse is a horse that they probably have a big investment in, and he needed to be right there with that horse. You know what I mean? Sometimes the horses have to see you. You know what I mean? And when they're young like that, it's probably because the horse had to see him. Now, what horse ran for him at, over at uh, Pe- for the Pegasus? Because I uh, didn't even know what the lineup was. I didn't, wasn't paying attention to that race at all. I haven't even looked at Gulfstream at all this year. Yeah, you know, I usually look at Gulfstream a lot more uh, th- than 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 I have this year. I think it's kind of a function of probably both of us being pretty busy or whatnot. Um, it, look, it had a good lineup, and uh, you know, it was it was enjoyable to watch. But nonetheless, this wasn't a uh, all time lineup or anything like that. What what was the, what horse was it for Bob? All right, let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up because I want to point out one other thing real fast. What was the date uh, last Saturday? Yeah, that was what the 25th. Is that what it was? Well, let me take a look here, Pop. Give me one second so that I can give you good quality information. Because I don't know if it was one of them horses that kept losing uh, last year during the Kentucky Derby and all these big races for Bob. Definitely why he didn't, why he sent Jimmy Barnes and he didn't come. <laughs> okay, so the horse he had is defunded. That's why. Yeah, he, he had Irad Ortiz piloting the ship. Now, yeah, the, go over to it, Oakland. His horse there is Arabian Night. Yeah, it's that's because. One is owned by the uh by the uh sheiks, and the other one is owned by one of his Cali, like probably Pingram or one of those one of those uh groups or something like that. But defunded was a horse that he didn't spend much time with because he was suspended a lot. So the, he was suspended last year, so it wasn't a big deal not being around defunded. So well, I pretty- think you could read something into that though. I mean, I think, first of all, Arabian Night was, I think, like a two-point-something million-dollar purchase. Right. But I think what you could read into it is that, look, Bob Baffert has established his name and reputation as the guy that gets to the Kentucky Derby. Right. I think he'd almost rather win the Kentucky Derby than even a bigger purse race at Gulfstream Park like the Pegasus. Right. I think he knows his allure to a lot of owners is being able to put out derby horses. I think he kind of went where he felt the long-term money truly is, reputation is. He wants to be like Belichick where he wins, you know, Belichick wins a bunch of Super Bowls. He wants to be the guy that wins a bunch of Kentucky derbies. Because if you win 10 Pegasus, does anybody even know who the hell you are? But if you win 10 Kentucky derbies, the whole world knows you. So I think I think Arabian Night, I guess the point I'm getting at is I think Arabian Night is the real deal, man. I think this is a horse that we could look out for in this year's Kentucky Derby. We haven't talked much horse racing pop as the Derby prep season moves along. Perhaps we'll get into it a little bit more. That is unfortunately all the time we've got pop as always. Thank you, my man. I'm glad that you joined me. Always a good show with you. Yes, you're very welcome, sir. And I'll be in Arizona next week. So let's uh, have some fun. I'll be out there. Very close, very in down all over downtown. It looks like awesome. So, we'll have a presence at the Super Bowl next week. Be sure to tune in as always. 
Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to all you listeners, of course. Without you, there is no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.